Hello there, founders. My name is Kamala Brown Washington, and I'm a nonprofit founder as well as the CEO of the Profitable Blueprint and Million Dollar CEO Mastermind. And I'm on a mission to help nonprofit founders with online programs just like you all over the world grow your business in a way that's profitable and scalable. I'm having candid and transparent conversations about what it really takes to scale your online business to millions of dollars per year without self-funding or being solely dependent upon grants. Join me to learn the CEO decisions I've had to make, the biggest failures I've had to overcome, and the strategic wisdom that emerged every step of the way. I'm humbled and I'm grateful to have this opportunity to share it all with you right here on Level Up with Kamala, the podcast designed for nonprofit founders with online programs. Let's level up together. Hi founders, today I want to talk about your program promise and the psychology around the different phases and levels of your program promise. So first of all, what is your program promise? Your program promise is the expected result that your client is looking to achieve by the time they complete your program. Like you're promising that you're going to get them from point A to point B. When they invest into your program, you have a certain framework that's been proven to get that same result to solve the expected problem that your client or your customer, your audience, your participants, your students, however you want to title them, the result that they're looking to achieve, however you're going to solve their specific problem. But before we can even address how to actually formulate the phrase, the sentence, the, the guarantee of your specific program, we really need to understand the market maturity and the evolution of your specific industry. It's really important that you clarify the specificity of the claim that you're looking to help your client achieve, okay? Mm -hmm. And the more specific you can be with your message and the better you can articulate the value of your program, one, the more you can charge for your program, and two, you'll be able to attract your audience to you as an expert and as an authority in your particular subject matter. Let's look at back in the day, <laughs> okay? So in like the 80s, it was a really big deal to be a life coach. Like that was the end thing. Just like now, online coaches are the end thing. So when there were life coaches, you know, that's when, you know, Tony Robbins, you know, probably got his, his big start, Dave Ramsey, you know, so forth. But as the market matured, you'll find that the message had to be more concise, clear, articulated, and 
targeted for a specific niche audience. So they went from, if you can kind of follow this, this journey, they went from being titled uh, life coach, right? I'm a life coach and I'm going to help you accomplish your dreams. <laughs> from there, it evolved to be more specific. I'm a coach to help you with health. I'm going to, I'm a health coach. From there, it evolved to health and fitness and then weight loss. And then from flabby to firm. From there, I can help women go from flabby to firm. And then maybe the ultimate is I help new moms with children under the age of two go from flabby to firm without pills or restrictive diets. If you can see and follow how the message has really scaled and niched down through the years, and that's because the market has matured and your audience is a lot more sophisticated. They have a lot more resources. You know, back in the day, like we didn't have the internet, <laughs> let alone computers to do all of this research and to have the tools and the resources to really make an educated decision. And as your industry matures, your competition, you know, is going to increase and consumers are going to be a lot more informed. With that said, there was a saying of the buyer beware, right? But now it's seller beware because again, consumers are more knowledgeable. Think about when, you know, you were a teenager or, you know, when you were in college and you were looking to purchase a car. Then again, I'm probably dating myself. So, you know, <laughs> I apologize, but I am a woman of a, of a particular age. So at that point, you know, you really just had to trust that this, that the car salesman was, you know, giving you accurate advice about that particular vehicle. We didn't have the Kelly Blue Book. You know, we didn't have um, Carvana where you can just go online, pick out the car, see all the history of the car, have the car delivered to you. That process was just completely different, let alone being able to just put in a VIN number into, you know, a program and you can see like, the whole history of the car, how many accidents it's been in, if if the owner has kept up with the maintenance, how many owners that vehicle has has had, right? So there's there's a the consumer now has a lot more information. And that has not always been the case. So as the market matures and the market becomes a bit more saturated, then your audience also becomes more mature and more sophisticated. Therefore, your messaging needs to match the level of knowledge and, and, and intelligence that your audience has. So when you are communicating the value of your program, it's important that you make very strong, compelling claims as opposed to weak, generic claims. So what's considered a weak or generic claim, Kamala? I'm so glad that you asked. <laughs> so a weak claim would be, you know, I help, 
you know, young girls build self-esteem. I help the youth build confidence. I help students get into college. I help uh, help you achieve the goals of your dreams. I help you build the business that you've always imagined. Those are very weak, generic claims because they're subjective. There's there's no measurable, tangible outcome. What I would consider confident or uh, high self-esteem could be completely different from what you or someone else might consider confidence or a high self self-esteem. So you need something measurable, something tangible, something that you can prove in court, <laughs> basically. Whereas if you have a strong, a compelling claim, I train speakers to get approved for a TED Talk. I help secure full scholarships to Ivy League universities. It's very specific, okay? So as you're com- as you're communicating to your audience, engaging, trying to build connection with your audience, it's very important that you have a strong, compelling claim for your program promise of what you know you can deliver, the results that you know that you can deliver within your program. And when you can communicate that, then you know that you can increase the price for your program and once you increase the price, you are now in a position to increase your, your profit margins. Okay. So competitor sophistication fuels consumer sophistication. And by that, I mean, when your competitor has a certain level of market share, because they know that their result, that their marketing is going to reach a different caliber of consumer. When you think about the perception, let's just say, of the profitable blueprint, okay? So online business models are set up obviously completely different from traditional brick and mortar in-person businesses, So there are certain perceptions when you are communicating the value of your program. If you are pitching that you offer this digital course versus a a consulting or coaching or a one-on-one or a a counseling or therapy, you know, something that brings um, more, more of a high touch experience you have to think about how that is perceived by your consumer. So when you think about a digital course, you typically think, okay, that's low priced. (laughs) Okay. It's probably, um, you know, $49, $97, $149, somewhere in there. And um, it's a DIY, you know, you have to do it yourself. There's no accountability. There's no coaching. There's no community. It's just sink or swim, basically. And very, very, very few people truly complete digital courses because there's there's no support. There's no accountability, 
right? They it's it's more of an emotional investment or purchase than strategic. It's probably a nice to have as opposed to I definitely need this. Think about it like when you're in the in the grocery store and you're in line at checkout and you see that magazine, you're flipping through it, you're like, okay, I'll go ahead and throw this into my, you know, pile. Or I'll go and grab that that pack of gum. It's just an emotional, like, okay, yeah. It's not gonna make or break my household, my budget. You know, it's 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 an emotional, spontaneous purchase. Whereas, you know, coaching program, counseling, therapist, um, a tutor, you know, some type of service provider type business model is going to be a lot more strategic because the perception is it's going to be a higher cost. I'm going to have a coach or, or, or someone, some type of facilitator there to hold me accountable. There's probably going to be curriculum. There's going to be a community. I'm going to be able to network and associate with other like-minded individuals based on whatever that, that subject matter is. So that whole perception builds to the level of sophistication. Okay. But being a great marketer is not enough to build a great business, but I'd rather you focus more on being able to articulate your value in understanding your buyer's decisions. Like What's the psychology around your audience making a buying decision? Okay. So for my ladies out there, okay. And men too, you know, you can go shopping for your partner. And if you're making a buying decision on um, a Chanel bag versus a bag at Target, okay. Target's going to have these little cute purses, you know, maybe you see a little beach bag, don't really have a need for it right now, but you're like, it's only, I don't know, $20, $25. Yeah, that's really cute. I'm going to go ahead and snatch it. Right. It's again, it's not going to make or break your, your budget. You know, that one purse is not going to like overload your closet. But if you're looking to invest in a Chanel bag, (laughs) A basic, 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 like starter Chanel purse, probably like wallet size, crossbody with, you know, a chain might run you about five stacks, $5,000. Okay. And everybody knows the Chanel brand. No one is questioning the Chanel brand, right? But to make a $5,000 investment in a Chanel purse, you might have to pause <laughs> and understand and, and 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 think about how is this investment going to improve my quality of life? Are all of my bills taken care of this month and you know maybe even next month before I make this $5,000 investment in a purse versus that $25 or $20 purse at Target? The way that your customer thinks and the psychology that they ex- that that they implement to make a buying decision is going to be different based on the value. 
making a buying decision for a digital course is going to be completely different than their buying decision in a two, three, five, ten thousand $10,000 program. It's going to be totally different. Another case in point, the first like real car that I purchased as an adult new car was a Honda Accord. I had a Honda. Now I drive a Range Rover. The buying process and the buying decision and the psychology that I used at 26, 27 years old, purchasing my first new vehicle as an adult is totally different than me purchasing a, you know, a $90,000 Range Rover as a woman of a particular age who's married with, you know, a child and, you know, trying to put my son through college and, you know, homeowner and, and own property, have other investments. You know, my, my, the psychology of me making a buying decision is different. At 26, I'm focusing on what's the payment. What's my note going to be? And, you know, how much is it going to cost to keep this car filled with gas? <laughs> I probably wasn't even thinking about insurance, but that was my psychology, like car payment. What's the payment and how much gas? I knew it was a Honda, so I probably could take it, you know, basically any mechanic and get something repaired. So I really wasn't concerned about that. And plus with a new car, you know, you have warranty. So it's going to be a while before I have to really focus on that. Now, when I'm trying to purchase this, this, this Range Rover <laughs> that's pushing, you know, $100,000 just about, I'm thinking differently. Do I want to pay cash and not worry about the note? Or do I want the note based on what the interest rate's going to be? If I have a low in a low interest rate, then I may not tie up all my cash paying for the car outright. If I can just like make little payments and drag it out, which I was blessed to get a 2% interest. So at 2% interest, I'm not really trying to tie up all my cash paying cash for this truck. But I'm also thinking about, you know, the value, <laughs> um, the maintenance, insurance. You know, we have other things going on in our household that I have to take into consideration. So the psychology that I'm using to make an investment in a high-end vehicle versus a lower-end vehicle is going to be different. And the point that I'm making is that you need to understand the psychology that your buyer is going to 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 implement as they make a buying decision about your, your specific program, Okay. Now, with that said, understand that when you undervalue your program, it's the same as someone bringing you a brand new Range Rover, maybe maybe 10,000 miles on this Range Rover, but yet they're only going to uh, charge you $2,000 for the truck. Or someone brings you a Chanel bag. And they're going to sell you a $5,000 Chanel bag for $100. Your first thought is like, whoa, <laughs> is that fake? Is that a fake Chanel? Is that stolen? 
bootleg like like what <laughs> why 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 are you selling a five thousand dollar bag for a hundred dollars right my thought if someone's going to sell me a brand new range rover for you know two thousand dollars my thought is it's junk it's a lemon <laughs> as soon as i put it out on the road it's about to break down because your price is not equivalent to the value and that's the way people think when you're selling this this wonderful program and you're solving this sophisticated problem but yet you're charging this rock bottom price they're going to think well you know she probably isn't really he or she really isn't an expert they probably can't really solve my problem like their psychology is thinking well if 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 you're all that why is your price so low if you're getting the type of results that you say that you get what's the catch they're not saying this to you but i promise you that's what they're thinking right they're not thinking that your program is on the same level that you're trying to you know communicate so understand you get paid based on three things the first is the value delivered the second is the value articulated and the third is the existing demand. Is there a demand for your service, for your product, for your membership? Your offer must be aligned with your ideal customer or your ideal prospect. If your prospect can't afford your program, they're not your prospect. Because your audience, your ideal client can afford your program. Chanel is not trying to market their products to low-income people in the hood. That's not their audience. Range Rover is not trying to market their cars to someone who cannot afford <laughs> a Range Rover, basically. Okay? That doesn't mean that those people haven't heard of those products, but that's not who their commercials, their advertising dollars are not thrown in that direction, okay? So you need to market to your audience and you probably need to elevate your level of sophistication and how you articulate the value of your program so that you will start to attract the right audience to, to you, to, you know, your your social media pages to your website, you know, how, however you're looking to secure your clients. Okay. But this is something that's not really spoken in the nonprofit, you know, sector is, you know, being able to strategize market and sell your program. You know, the, the mindset in this industry is create a nonprofit start applying for grants, recruit your board, have your board, you know, do some fundraising activities and you raise money. But no one's really talking about, you know, building a business model that's going to sustain consistent revenue for your business. And so you have to be in a position to, to leverage and to elevate 
that level of conversation and that level of business strategy. So again, you are setting yourself up for success. That's why I'm here. Because as a business owner, first and foremost, like you can forget the whole non-profit hat. First and foremost, you are a business owner. And therefore, you need to start conducting yourself as such. And if you're going to be a business owner, you need to have a revenue generating model where you're charging a fee for your service and understanding the marketing and sales aspect of generating revenue and making your program and your business sustainable. Sales is just a transfer of belief. I'm trans, like I have a belief of this product, of this service, of this membership, and I'm transferring that belief to you. And when you believe the same thing that I believe, then you make that investment. So write this down. There's a couple elements to the belief system of your prospects. One, they have to believe in your program. So write program. They have to believe that your program is going to do whatever it is that you say it's going to do. They also need to believe in you. They need to know, like, and trust you. They need to believe in your values, believe in your identity, believe in your personality. They have to believe that you are the one to solve the problem for them. They also have to believe in themselves. They have to believe that your program is going to work for them. They need to believe in urgency. There needs to be a sense of of urgency for them. You know, if you are a tutor for math and you're marketing your services to parents of freshmen, there probably isn't a sense of urgency because they still have four, you know, three more years before they start applying for college. Whereas if if you are marketing your math tutoring program to parents of juniors, <laughs> right? Juniors are going to be taking their SAT in the spring and in fall, they're going to start applying for colleges. So they need to get that math score as high as possible, that math grade as high as possible. So when they start applying to colleges, it's a it's some more efficient representation of what they can do. Right. So there's a sense of urgency. They're trying to apply for a scholarship or they're trying to apply for an engineering program or, you know, what you know, they're applying for the you know, dream college, you know, that they've always wanted to attend. There's a sense of urgency. Those freshman students, they're not, you know, those parents and the students, they're not, they're not worrying about that right now. They have time. So there needs to be a sense of urgency. And they have to also believe in the vehicle to get that particular result. What is the vehicle that you're using within your program to get your your audience to that desired result? What does that vehicle look like? Is it, is it a curriculum? Is it a one-on-one, you know? consulting, counseling? Is it, you know, a workshop? Is it a workbook? Is it like a certain method that 
you have? Is there a formula? Is there a recipe? Like they have to believe that you have that framework that's going to solve that problem for them. So within the level of sophistication, you need to understand that there's three levels of awareness for your audience. Write this down. There's unaware, problem aware, and solution aware. Okay. When your client is unaware, they don't even realize that they have a problem. <laughs> They're just going around, you know, life, but they haven't even like taken the time to diagnose, hmm, I have a problem and I need to get this problem addressed, right? That's unaware. They're just oblivious. Then there's problem aware. Now they realize, okay, I do have a problem, but I'm not quite sure what's the most effective way to articulate what my problem is or how to solve my problem. And then they're solution aware. That's when you are able to identify my pro my program has the values. I have the container and I have the promise to deliver on the problem that you want solved. Okay. So when you can understand where your buyer is positioned in terms of their awareness, then you know how to communicate the, the most effective message to them. Because most of us, as we are marketing our online programs, we're focusing on the solution. My program is the best. I can solve this problem. You know, I have this online course or I have this online like counseling service, or I have a, a done for you, you know, type business model, you know, whatever it is, you're focusing on how your program can solve their problem, but they're not even there yet. And 90% of us are marketing with that mindset when we really should be focusing more on helping our buyer identify the problem that they have so that they can understand the correlation of how your program can solve that problem. They may not even be like really consciously aware of the problem that they have, nor and or the consequences of that problem. So my audience, again, nonprofit founders with online programs. But if you are a nonprofit founder, then all you know is, you need money. You may not be sophisticated enough in your market, in your industry, in your subject matter to really understand that you need a business model where you can start charging a fee for a service, a product, or a membership. You're just thinking, I'm nonprofit. I probably need to get a better board because my board's not really doing anything. They're not active. They're not bringing relationships to the table. They're not bringing resources to the table. You know, I just need a new board so they can go out and start raising, raising funds or, and, or you're thinking I need some money. So I need to go find a grant writer who can write some grants for me. And then you hire this grant writer and they're not winning 
the grant or you're not being awarded the grant, not because they're not effective, but because you don't have a business model where funders are going to trust that it's sustainable enough to make an investment in. Funders are not going to throw money at a program with no outcome, no results, no proven process, no clients, no consistency, no sustainability. Like, like they're not, they're just not going to do that. So you're thinking my problem is that I need to go hire a grant writer. Oh, I need, I need a new board. You don't even realize that it's not them. It's you. You need a business model <laughs> that's going to generate revenue. And once you start generating revenue, then the funders are going to come and support you. Then your board has a has a, a mechanism to a mechanism to go out and you know approach their contacts and their relationships so they can start making donations, but they have nothing to buy into. You know, it's just like, you know, you're you're praying, you know, to God for a blessing, but you're not doing the work. And when you do the work, that's when you give him something to bless. So you can't just sit here. It's like, oh, God, I really need a blessing. I really need, you know, this or that to happen. It's like, okay, well, do your part. When you do your part, then you can give him something to bless. But if you're just sitting there, just praying and hoping and praying and fasting, and you're doing all of that, like it's it's just not going to happen. Faith without work is dead. So you have to put in the work. So he has something to bless and you have to build a business model. So your board has something to, you know, invest in. You have to have a, a business model so that you can get the results and you start having a track record of success. So funders are willing, able, and in their believing that this is a worthy investment. Is that making sense? Like, <laughs> I really hope that you're picking up what I'm putting down because I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, this is, this is gold right now, just pure gold. Don't just communicate to your audience, you know, the how of what you do. You need to communicate the what, the what is what they're experiencing and what they need to do to, to overcome that. So now you're teaching them how to think. Don't give them, don't give them the how. They have to pay for the how, but you can give them the what. This is what you need to do. Okay, cool. How do I do that? Okay, well, you're you're gonna need to invest in X number of dollars to learn that so I can walk you through that information. Okay. It's your responsibility to address all perceived risk at each stage of belief to lead your prospect to a buying decision. Whatever that decision happens to be, doesn't matter, but they need to make a, a decision, right? So when you raise your rate, so when you determine whatever rate that you want to charge, you must be in a position to amplify that, that claim because your, your claim is going to kind of get buried and 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 muddied with the claims of your competition. So if if your competition is talking about, you know, we have this magic pill that's going to, you know, allow you to 
lose weight, lose 30 pounds in 30 days. You know, people are not believing that anymore because the consumer audience is a lot more sophisticated. You can't just say, yeah, you know, (laughs) just take this magic, magic pill. You don't have to exercise. Like you don't have to stop eating, you know, sweets and sugar. Uh, You, you can still drink as much as you want. And, you know, you don't even have to sweat. Just take this pill and you'll lose 30 pounds in 30 days. You don't have to stop eating French fries or anything greasy or, you know, white carbs or just take the pill. People are not falling for the okie doke anymore. They're just, they're just not, right? They're more sophisticated. But if you're, if you're saying, okay, well, that's, that's their magic pill. But my magic pill has this special Garcinia Cambogia pharmaceutical quality ingredient in our magic pill. And that's how you can lose 30 pounds in 30 days. Your claim is amplified and that's going to set you apart from from the competition. They're just talking about the plain old generic magic diet pill. But you have the special pharmaceutical, you know, organically grown ingredients from the woods of Africa. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's what's going to set you apart. So you have to be able to amplify your claim. Okay, is this making sense? fantastic. I really, really, really hope that this makes a difference. Okay. I want you to clearly understand that again, the more significant and the more sophisticated problem that you're solving, you're really going to need a more sophisticated message that can be amplified so it can set you apart from your competition. If this has been valuable, please like, share, subscribe to this podcast, to my YouTube channel. And if you feel that, you know, this is a program that you want to see if we are a match to help you generate consistent revenue in your online business, I welcome the opportunity for you to apply to the Profitable Blueprint or to the million dollar CEO, you can go to the link somewhere around this podcast or this this video. We welcome the opportunity to work with you, uh, get on a strategy call with you. You can email my team or again, you can apply, but I want you to understand nothing is gonna happen until you're able to understand how your audience makes their buying decisions. Okay. So it's been real and it's good. I'm here to be an answer for you and to you. So be safe. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found value in my content. I invite you to subscribe to my podcast. And if you want to learn more about how to turn your online program into a six or seven figure business, join me in my free masterclass. Please visit KamalaBrownWashington.com. That's K-A-M-I-L-A BrownWashington.com. I'll share exactly how I was able to generate millions in revenue with my nonprofit program 
And I look forward to hanging out with you next time on Level Up with Camilla, the podcast for nonprofit founders with an online program.